Two weeks ago, we talked about the family of God, what it means to be a part of God's family. Talked about what it means to be a child of God and who we are in Christ. And then last week, my wife Ann helped me and we talked about some very common challenges we see and hear from people in marriage today. We spent some time talking about the relationship of marriage. Today, I want to go in a different direction. And today and next week, I want to talk about friendship. Friendship. Specifically, I want to talk about what it means to be a godly friend. How to be a godly friend. So I'm going to spend two weeks talking about this today. But let me tell you what I'm going to do today. I was studying the first part of the week, praying, getting prepared. And I really feel like God dropped something in my heart for this day today. And, you know, sometimes I'm a bit of an emotional guy. If you've been around here long, you, you know that. But I really felt like God dropped something in my heart that I needed to do today, talking about friendship. And if you'll notice, I am styling today, okay? As, as, Rick, as Rick Flair would say, I'm styling and profiling is what I'm doing. Uh, somebody asked me not too long ago, why don't we see you wear a suit and tie more often? And I told them, well, you need to come to more weddings and funerals, and you'll see me in a suit and a tie. But, you know, we're, we're not really a suit and tie church. But this morning, I'm wearing this for a specific reason. Because I'm going to talk to you about friendship, and I'm going to share four lessons I learned from a dear, dear friend. His name is Roger Brewer. And if you've been around here very long, you know our founding pastor, Roger Brewer, went to be with the Lord about a month ago. We're going to be having a memorial service for him this evening. And I'm going to get a chance to share, but they're only going to give me about five or ten minutes to share tonight. So I thought I'd take this morning and talk about four specific lessons I learned from my friend Roger Brewer. Travis, you got it. There we go. Look at that. That is two handsome middle-aged men right there. <laughs> you know, the key to any healthy relationship is being the right person, not finding the right person. Any, any, any healthy relationship. It's certainly true in marriage. If you want to have a happy marriage, it's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person. If you are the right person, you'll attract the right person. It's the same in every other relationship in life. If we're going to have healthy relationships, we have to focus on our role in that relationship, me becoming the right person in the relationship. And Roger Brewer, and, and you know, he was my pastor for a long time. He was my friend until he graduated and went on to heaven. But he, he taught me some things and showed me some things that I want to share with you today, specifically four things about friendship. So if you would open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, we're going to read from verse number 3. Now, i got to set this up for you. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. A lot of people know about Romans chapter 12, especially verses 1 and 2. 1 and 2, basically the Apostle Paul talks about us becoming living sacrifices, living our lives for God. And in verse 2, he talks about us renewing our minds to think like a child of God, which is what we taught two weeks ago. 
But then in verse 3, it's a transition verse going into the rest of the chapter because he spends a lot of the rest of the chapter talking about us being the body of Christ. We're many members and we have different functions and yet we're all one. But here's what I want you to notice. Look at verse 3 with me. And the instructions he gives us, he says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you. How many are among us today? One, two. How many are here today? Not just body, but mind as well. Okay, are you with me? Paul says, I say this to all of you. To everyone in this room today, he's speaking to us. To everyone who is among you. Here's what he says. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. If I take this one verse of Scripture, put it in context and put it in my own words, the Apostle Paul is trying to get each and every one of us to understand something. There is nobody like you. Bridge youth, I want you to hear me today. Every one of you, individually, there's nobody like you. God has put gifts in you. God has put talents in your life. In the future, God will drop spiritual gifts in your life. But God always wants you to be a unique individual who lives out his or her purpose in life. We need to understand that God has gifted us. He's created us for a purpose, and he needs us to be the person that he created. Now, with that in mind, the first thought I want to share with you today is this. Be real and be you. Be real and be you. It's amazing how many people are going through life today trying to be somebody that they're not. And it's exhausting. And it doesn't work for very long. As a matter of fact, it doesn't work at all. At some point in time, you will fall off of that perch you built for yourself. And when you fall off, it's a long ways to the ground. God wants you to be you. Nobody else. He's created and gifted you to be unique, one of a kind. So God wants you to be real and to be you. God doesn't need you and me to be anybody else. He needs us to be who he created us to be. Now, this, this is a really simple principle. But I want to drive it home for a, a couple of minutes this, this morning. It's amazing in church life how many people think they're supposed to be like their favorite TV preacher or their favorite pastor. Now, I know not many of you would want to be like Pastor Gary, but some of you might want to be like Pastor Corey. And uh, Bridge Youth, Pastor Corey is a great youth pastor. He's amazing. But during the week in the offices, he's a little bit weird. You do not want to be like him. You say, what do you mean? That's why he's a youth pastor, because he's just a little bit weird. The point I want to make is this. Learn from his life, but be you. To those of you who are a little bit older, you know, some of you think, okay, I'm a Christian now. I'm a follower of Jesus. What am I supposed to do? And you go to work and you put on the Joel Osteen look and you say, hey, everybody, I love Jesus and Jesus loves you. <laughs> it doesn't work in Southern California. That drawl, people know a phony drawl when they hear it, okay? God doesn't need you to be anybody else but you. That's it. And 
sometimes we get caught up in life role-playing. Let me tell you what role-playing is. Scripture has a word for those who are role-players. In Scripture, Jesus talked about it. John the Baptist talked about it. They talked about people who tried to act like Christians, but inside they really weren't believers and weren't following Jesus. And Scripture calls them hypocrites. And in the original writings, a hypocrite is simply an actor. In the original writings, it wasn't a bad word. It was a word that says, don't be an actor. Let me tell you something. Don't play the role of a Christian. Don't play the role of a believer. Be a believer. Be who God created you to be. Share what God has done in your life. Be real and be you. Another thing. Don't try to impress people. Don't try to impress people. Because you'll promise things you can't deliver. Just be you. I will never forget the first time I ever sat down with my friend Roger Brewer. I'll never forget it. He and I actually met at a funeral. And after the funeral, a few weeks or a few days later, I had resigned a church where I was pastoring. I came to church here on a Sunday. He saw me from a distance. He looked me up after service, said hi to me, and he said, let's get together. So we set up a time to go to lunch. And the first time I ever got to really sit down and open my heart and have a conversation with him, we went to lunch, and the first thing I learned is this guy is just who he is. He's nobody else. He doesn't need to try to act like his favorite preacher or some other guy who's influenced his life. He is just Roger Brewer. And it so impressed me. You know, his Pastor Roger's pastor from South Carolina is here today. And I was talking to Pastor Frank this week, and Pastor Frank said, you know, I only got to know him, been around him a couple of times, and I felt like he's my brother and I'd known him all my life. That's just how he was because he was real. And he knew who he was, and he didn't try to be anybody except who he was. He was a real guy, a real person. And my first meeting with him, I didn't know what to expect. But he didn't try to act like some big shot preacher, didn't try to tell me who he knew and how well he knew them, didn't try to talk about the size of the church or how much money he made. None of that mattered. He simply wanted to get to know me and see if there was anything he could do to help me. He was a friend. And I think today we need to understand real friendship starts. Trust is built when you will be real and just be you. People can see a phony. People can recognize somebody who's just going through the motions. You need to be real and be you. No false fronts. And you know, one of the things I learned from him about being real, you are a really good you, but you're a pretty crummy anybody else. Really are. That's why when you try to look like somebody else and act like somebody else, you're going to fall short. But if you will just be you and express what God is doing in your life, you'll be a blessing to people around you. You've got to be you. Some of the things I learned about being real is you also need to be humble. Don't talk about yourself all the time. Listen, be humble. You also need to learn to be honest. To be consistent, not changeable from time to time, but stay on your pathway of being you and be consistent with that lifestyle. One of the things that was so great about Pastor Roger is he, 
He didn't mind telling you the truth. And most of the time, he could say it in a real nice way. Now, sometimes he could be a little rough around the edges and just kind of blurt it out. And, you know, Pastor Evie, I'm sure, living with him as his wife, she probably saw a little bit more of the rough edges at times. But we men know how difficult it is to live with women sometimes, so we understand that, you know. You know, I, I told first service, isn't it funny in this church, I can say something about the men and the women all laugh and clap. I can say something about the women and the guys are like, oh, I don't want to say anything now. I'll hear it, I'll hear it in the car if I say something. Pastor Ebby, we are now the bobblehead church. We don't clap and yell and scream, but we just nod our heads. We're bobblehead church, okay? Uh, how many men in the church give me a bobblehead this morning? Yeah, you know. And I'm sure Pastor Ebby at times and close family saw a little different side of him. But to me as his friend, he would always tell me the truth. And most of the time, he would tell it in love. You know, and Pastor Roger, just being himself, he wasn't always right, but he was never in doubt. If he thought he was right, he was going to tell you the truth. What an amazing quality to learn to be yourself, nobody else. And, and one more thing that ties into this. Pastor Roger loved to laugh at himself. Didn't bother him to laugh at himself. You know, some of you all need to loosen up just a little bit. You are not perfect. You are going to make mistakes. And nobody's going to look down on you if you laugh at yourself and do something stupid. Has anybody in the house done anything stupid the last few days? Look at these teenagers. Isn't this great? They all got their hands in the air. <laughs> teenagers know because their parents tell them, you are stupid sometimes, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's okay to laugh at yourself. It's okay to say, I was dumb, I crossed the line, I shouldn't have done that. And it's okay to laugh at yourself and admit when you make a mistake. I mean, one of the things about Pastor Roger that I always loved, if he did something dumb, he would tell you, and then his eyes would squint, and he'd grin, he'd just laugh and laugh and laugh at himself. I love that. We need to be real. We need to be who we are and learn to laugh at ourselves. Number two, look at Philippians 2. A second quality that I think is important in godly friendships, Philippians chapter 2, look at verse number 3. Paul wrote these words in Philippians. He said, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. The second point is we need to learn to respect people. We need to learn to respect people. In other words, we need to learn how to put others first. Paul talks about this. He says, don't go around thinking, well, I'm up here and everybody else is down there, so I'll talk to them like they're down here. No. Paul said, don't do that. Put them in front of yourself. Put them above yourself and consider others to be better than yourself. I think it's interesting. In our world today, it's getting more and more difficult to find people who respect others and care for others, who put others first. It's getting hard to find. And I'll tell you why I think it is. I think it's because we live such busy lifestyles that we think we don't have time to care. Now, let me expound on that for just a moment. If I'm going to care about people, it's going to cost me something. And generally, generally, it's going to be time. It costs me my time to care for people. 
Because if I'm going to care for people, number one, I've got to take time to listen to people. How long has it been since you just sat down and listened to a friend who was troubled, a friend who was hurting, somebody you know going through stuff? How long has it been since you sat down and had coffee or had lunch or just sat down in a car and visited for a while and let them pour out their heart and you just listened? You know, it's very common in today's world that people say, you know, you need to go talk to so-and-so because I don't really know. The truth of the matter is we just don't want to take the time to invest in people. Now, listen closely to me. Every one of us in friendship, what we want is respect. We want to be respected. But you only get respect when you build trust. And you cannot build trust without taking time to invest in a relationship. If we will sow respect, I promise you, we will reap respect. But a lot of us say, okay, you respect me for who I am. Don't you disrespect me. And all the while we're disrespecting people, but we want them to respect us. We need to learn to respect people. And I think it all begins with us being willing to stop, set aside some time, and listen. And the second part of it is, after we've listened, we need to learn how to speak something positive into their lives and it takes some time even if it's just nodding your head and listening and saying you know what I don't understand all that you're dealing with but I promise you one thing I'm going to be here I will be your friend I will encourage you I'll pray with you I'll do all that I can I am not going to abandon you in this difficult season if you will sow respect you'll reap respect and we need to be willing to make that commitment. And, and then the, the third part of it is we need to listen, we need to speak, and then third of all, we have to be willing to take the time to help people. I listen, I speak, but sometimes my friendship and my respect needs to get to my hands and my feet, and I need to do some things to help them in the situation that they're in. Well, too many times people pass our way. We nod our head. We say, I'll be praying for you. We say something so we can get out of there and get away quickly. And the truth of the matter is, if we'd taken just a few moments, spoke to them, and did some things to help them in life, we would have a friend forever and ever and ever. Got to be willing to act upon what we believe. Pastor Roger was that kind of friend to me. I remember the times when we first started building a friendship in a relationship that Pastor Roger became my friend. Before I was ever on staff and one of his employees, he became my friend because he cared about me. He'd take me to lunch. He'd carve out an hour and a half or two hours of a day every week to go to lunch with me to encourage me to keep me moving forward. He'd even buy my lunch. That's, that's a novel concept, isn't it? Buying somebody's lunch. We became fast friends because we would take turns. I'd buy his lunch the next time. He liked that because everybody knew Pastor Roger would buy you lunch. You'd go to lunch with him. We began to give back and forth to each other. We need to learn to sow that favor, to sow that respect. If we'll do that, we'll reap it back. And, you know, in Matthew 5, Jesus gave us what we call the Beatitudes. One of the things he said was, I think it's Matthew 5, 7, he said, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. He said, if you'll sow mercy, you'll reap mercy. 
But if you look at the original writings, that word merciful there literally means to be actively compassionate. I believe every person in this room today has compassion in their hearts. When you see hurting people, you have compassion. But God asks us not just to have compassion, but to have an active compassion that we get involved helping those who are in need. Pastor Roger was that kind of friend to me. Number three, I'm not going to have you turn there, but let me refer to a couple of verses of Scripture. In the book of Acts, especially the first half of the book of Acts, there's a man who's mentioned on a few occasions. His name is Barnabas. Originally, Acts 4 says his name was Joses, but later on he became known as Barnabas. Barnabas was really probably named by the leaders of the church. And the, the name Barnabas means a son of encouragement, son of consolation or son of encouragement. They gave him that name because he was just one of those guys. He'd walk into a room and he'd start encouraging everybody. Can I tell you that one of the things we need to do as friends, the third thing, we need to learn to encourage people. Now, Pastor Roger was an encourager to me. He was an encourager. But here's what I want you to see. It talks about Barnabas being called the son of encouragement. It's like he'd walk into a room and it's all of a sudden the place would light up because the encourager is here. But it says in Acts eleven twenty three, he went to a whole different part of the world. He walked in there. He found a group of believers and he was so excited and so encouraged himself. It says that he encouraged them all that with purpose of heart, they should continue to serve the Lord. You say, what does it mean to encourage somebody? Let me give you a couple of illustrations. To encourage someone means to become wind in their sails. You know, when people are hurting, their sails get deflated. I've only been on a sailboat one time in my life, and it was amazing to me how that captain of that boat could just drive that boat all over the place because the wind was blowing and there was wind in the sails. As long as the wind was in the sails, the boat was moving. When people get hurt, when people get discouraged and down, it's like the wind is out of their sails. It's amazing to be able to walk into someone's life and begin to encourage them and watch the wind begin to blow and all of a sudden their sails get full and they begin to move forward. Instead of Barnabas, and listen to this, instead of Barnabas, that he would walk into these people's lives and he would start speaking and all of a sudden they would be encouraged to keep moving forward with the Lord. How do you encourage people? You encourage them to keep trusting God and keep moving forward. You know, I run across Christians now and then. They say, well, you know, I love God, but I don't really have any talents and gifts and abilities. I can't really do anything for God. And I think, are you kidding me? You know, I don't know a lot of theology and I don't memorize a lot of verses. I, I just can't do anything for God. You know what? One of the greatest things you can do for God is just get around people who are hurting and encourage them to take their next step. Well, I don't have all the answers. You don't need all the answers. Just encourage them to take their next step in God. That's all we need to do. That'll be wind in someone's sails. And there are all kinds of friends. There are friends who will inflate you. And then there are some friends who will deflate you. Anybody know anybody who's a deflator? You know, it's, it's, like, it's like this. You tell this friend, oh, man, I had this spot come up on my arm. And it looked weird. And I went to the doctor. Trying to figure out what it is. The doctor's not sure what it is. The friend says, 
Oh, yeah, I got another buddy who had one of those. He died in three weeks. <laughs> That's not the kind of friend you want to be. And, you know, as I began to get to know Pastor Roger, and he became my friend, he was always encouraging me to keep moving forward and not stop. We need to learn to believe the best in people. Even in difficult moments, we need to find the positive things in people's lives and encourage them to keep walking with God. Even when they're deflated, we need to instill confidence in them that will cause them to rise up, keep believing God, and keep moving forward. See, Pastor Roger became my friend because he believed in me. Some of you here today and you didn't know Pastor Roger, you don't know much of the history here, or maybe you did, maybe you did know him, but still didn't know a lot. Well, let me just tell you, 19 years ago, just about this time of year, Roger Brewer became my friend. I just resigned a church where I was pastoring because my world was falling apart. I resigned the church where I was pastoring. My family was falling apart. I was worried about my boys. They were having their challenges. I decided to get involved in some discipleship ministry in Africa. So I started coming to church down here because I wanted to go where nobody knew me except the pastor who would love me and encourage me. And Roger Brewer became that man. And nine years after that, I became the pastor of this church. To a great extent because he loved me, he became my friend, he encouraged me because he saw something in me. Don't ever see people right where they are. Understand that God has more down the road. If you'll love them and encourage them, move them forward, they'll become everything God created them to be. Don't give up on people. We can become sons of encouragement sons of discouragement. We can inflate people or we can deflate people. Which brings me to the fourth point. I want you to look at one more scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter number 1. Timothy was a young minister. Paul had known his family, had influenced him. Paul was instrumental in getting Timothy into the ministry. But he left him with an assignment in Ephesus to pastor a thriving church. It was a church of Gentiles. It wasn't a Jewish church. Church of Gentiles. And people were getting saved right and left. The church was mushrooming. And here's this young man trying to figure out how to be a godly pastor. Well, Paul gave him these words. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 3. Paul says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia... Remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Look at verse 4. He continues the thought, Nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Last thing I want to share today. Build faith. You want to be a friend? You want to help people? Build faith. 
build faith. You say, well, you already talked about encouragement. Isn't it the same thing? No, it's a little bit different. I'm going to show you here in a minute. We need to not only be people of faith, we need to help others build their faith. Because people need faith. What Paul was writing to Timothy was this. People don't need theology. People don't need new clever ideas. They need, don't need to know who your grandma or great-grandma was. Doesn't matter who you were related to nine generations ago, even though you can find out for $78. That, that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. What Paul told Timothy was, we need to teach the Word of God. Teach what God says and let people work out their relationship with God. And he said, stay away from all these ideas and these fables and these crazy ideas. Now, I want to take a minute and, and explain this to you. Scripture is very clear that faith comes by hearing, hearing from the Word of God. We hear the Word of God and there's, there's DNA in God's Word that creates faith in us. You read the Word of God and there's something starts happening inside. That's faith. Faith is not here. Faith is what's here so strongly that it grows out to the end of my fingers and the dips of my toes and it causes me to start walking in a direction. That's what faith is. But we need to be willing to help our friends grow in their faith. And I'm going to tell you something. In our church world today, I am amazed at how many people define God by their circumstances rather than by God's word. You want to know who God is? Read this word. It'll tell you who God is. Your circumstances do not describe God. But your faith in God can change your circumstances. And when challenges come our way, that doesn't mean God has forsaken us. That means we have an adversary, the devil, or we've made some poor choices. But if we'll put our faith in God and believe God and walk in his word, God will turn our circumstances around. But it's amazing how many people get caught up in this. Well, I guess I shouldn't believe that because this is what's happened in my life. Are you kidding me? The challenge is there for you to believe God and let God turn things around. When we find someone who's in a hole, who's hurting, God didn't call us to come throw dirt on them and bury them and, call, and put in the gravestone and said, this is it. God has called us to speak his word into their lives that they can climb out of that hole and move on forward trusting God. That's our calling. That's what God has called us to do. People need faith, not religious ideas, not philosophies of men. You know, Pastor Roger was really good about that. I remember him one Sunday morning I'll never forget it. First time I ever heard him say it. I had been going to the church very long, and he said, you know, you know how many know how Pastor Roger used to speak? You know, you know, he kind of talked like this, you know. He said, you know, some of you all believe you had a car wreck this week because God's trying to teach you a lesson. He said, that's a bunch of nonsense. God doesn't make you have car wrecks to teach you a lesson. When bad things happen, that's because there's a devil in the world and there's natural consequences. He said, don't get your eyes on that. Get your eyes on God's Word. It's absolutely true. Well, I ran out of gas this week. I guess God didn't want me to go to work. No, God wants you to put gas in the car the night before is what he wanted you to do. <laughs> he was good about that. He was so practical with that kind of stuff. But God wants us to share things that will build faith. Now, I'm, I'm going to share a little story here. Oh, I, I didn't do this yet, so I need to do this. You know, Pastor Roger loved it. He loved to wear suits. So I decided to wear a suit and tie this morning in honor of Pastor Roger. He loved to wear, he loved to dress up and look sharp. 
except he'd wear a cream color suit or a lime green suit, something like that, you know, much brighter than what I would wear, but that's okay. But something I do have in common with Pastor Roger today, he gave me his black crocodile shoes. It says on the bottom, genuine crocodile. So I'm wearing them today in honor of him. Cool thing about Pastor Roger, though, he also gave me a brown pair just like him and a blue pair just like him, okay? So he loved his crocodile shoes. Now, if you look at me today and say, Pastor Gary, you want some more crocodile shoes? No, I'll take crocodile boots with a rope or toe on it, but I don't want any, any of the, I got enough of these, okay? Three pairs of this is enough. But, but here's the point I want to make. When we started building this church, Pastor Roger had heard from God and he knew we were supposed to build this building. And I watched him walk this thing out. I just come on staff and a part of my role was to oversee, work with the contractor, oversee the building of this facility. And Pastor Roger was a man of faith. He knew we we're going to build this building. So we started, and some of you would say this is foolishness, but this is, this is how Pastor Roger walked with God. We got the property graded. It used to be all hills out here. Get the property all graded. They started putting utilities in the ground. They got the foundation laid out. And they started pouring walls, and we didn't have any more money. So Pastor Roger started working on a loan. Well, most people would say, well, you should have had the loan in place to start with. Well, Pastor Roger believed, well, God just might drop several million dollars on top of us, so we don't want to get a loan if God's going to give us the money up front. So he just kept walking with God until he had to have the loan. And I watched this man live by faith day after day after day after day. And here's my point. If he saw something in the Word, he'd grab a hold of it and he'd say, I'm not going to turn loose of this because God promised it to me. And then he would encourage you to do the same. Don't turn loose of what God has said to you. Hang on to faith. He always built faith in people. I watched him do this all the years that I knew him. What an amazing asset he was to my life. His heart was always set on what God told him to do. So he would encourage you to do the same thing. I'll give you a funny little illustration of this. I'm almost finished. Funny little illustration. When I first got to know Pastor Roger, one of the things I learned, you know, he loved his suits and ties and his lizards or his crocodile shoes. He also, he loved nice cars. He loved nice cars. And one day I went to meet him for lunch and we went out to get in his car and he got, this is back when the Cadillac Escalades first became cool. He had a brand new Escalade. It was that pearl white with the cream color interior, 22 inch chrome rims, big fat wide tires. It was sweet. I mean, it was sweet. I told first service, I'll say it again. Now don't, if you're religious, this will make you mad. So if you get mad, you know you're religious. But I looked at that car, those big 22-inch chrome rims, and I thought, wow, pimping ain't easy, you know. <laughs> I, I heard that from a youth pastor one time. That's where I heard that. But here's the thing, and, and uh, Bridge, you, you say that at home, your parents will wash your mouth out with soap, okay? <laughs> but, but here's the point. This cool car, I mean, it was beautiful. It had everything in the world. Got in this car. I'm just looking around inside. I said, Pastor Roger, this car is amazing. And Pastor Roger, in typical style, said, well, Pastor Gary, if you had faith, you could have one of these. 
because he believed God wanted to bless everybody because it was in the scripture. One of the things that God has taught me through the years, and I saw Pastor Roger exemplify it over and over again, is our job as believers is to encourage people in their faith, not to discourage their faith. Every now and then somebody will come in to me and say, man, I was talking to so-and-so and they're going through a rough time, but they said they're just believing God to do this and this and this and turn their situation around. You think you need to go talk to them? I said, no, I think you need to leave them alone. Let them believe God because God's bigger than their situation. Don't limit them to how much you think God will do in their lives. If God has spoken something to them, encourage them in their faith. Don't discourage them. Encourage them in their faith. We need to build faith. So we talked about four things. To be real and to be you. To respect people. Put them first. To encourage people. Be the wind in their sails. And last of all, to build faith. But as I close this message, one last little nugget comes to the question. Maybe you're here today and maybe you're asking yourself, wow, this, this sounds great. It, it, it just rings true in my heart, but I don't really know God. I'm not in relationship with God. I've never asked God into my life or Maybe sometime back I did, but I've not done real well with it, and I'm not sure what he thinks about all this. I just don't know where my standing is with God. Can I just tell you something this morning? We're not interested in giving you religion, but we are interested in helping you build a relationship with God who loves you and who could change your life forever and ever and ever. This is about trusting a God and learning that he will be faithful to you day after day after day for the rest of your life and throughout eternity. That's the God that we serve. But it all comes down to a matter of faith. You've heard a message today. You've heard me share things from God's word. In some of your hearts today, something's rising up and you're thinking, well, this is real, this is real. But your mind is saying, well, I don't really understand all of it, but it sure feels right. Can I just tell you something? That's faith rising up inside of you. And that's the spirit of God knocking on the door of your heart saying, I I want to be your father. See, God doesn't want to just be your God. He wants to be your loving heavenly father. He wants to step into your life and do things nobody else can do. But here how, here's how God has set things up. He put his own son on a cross to pay for our sins, to wipe away everything that stood between us and him. He paid the price himself. But he gave you a free will and you have to accept it or reject it. You say, well, I want God to be involved in my life. Then you need to invite him in. Let him get started being your father. And the way you do that, simple words. Call it prayer, but it's just a conversation with God. And I want to I lead you in a prayer. I want to give you some words to pray this morning. There's nothing magical about my words. It's just simple words that will help you open your heart and say, God, I need you. I'm going to ask everybody in the house to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to lead you in this prayer. And I, you don't need to yell these words, but I'm going to ask everybody here to just repeat this prayer right out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I want you in my life. Please come in. I accept Jesus Christ, your son, as my savior. And I choose to allow Jesus 
become the Lord of my life. I give everything to you. I want to know you. Forgive me of my past. Teach me your ways. I want to follow you. And I want your blessing. So from this day forward, you will be my father. I will be your child. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now I want to share one last thing before we change the order. We're not finished, but we will be in a few minutes. If you prayed that prayer today and you've never accepted the Lord or, or maybe you've been the prodigal and you've been on the run or you've never built a relationship with God, we've got a little booklet we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. It's a simple tool because praying that prayer is not the end of the journey. That's just the beginning. We want to help equip you to learn how to walk with God. And I'm going to tell you something. It's all about letting God love you and you loving God. This will help you understand how much God loves you, how much blessing he wants to bring into your lives. We want to give it to you. So when we're finished in a few minutes, there'll be prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. All you need to do is walk down to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right here, no strings attached. If you've got questions, they can answer your questions. If you want prayer for something else going on in your life, they're here to pray with you. But please let us give this to you today. Now, if you're in a really big rush, out in the, in the lobby before you leave the building, at the glass doors as you exit, right in the middle, there's a counter set up there. They'll give you the same booklet right there. It talks about beginning your relationship with God. They'll give you the same booklet right there. Just walk up and say, hey, can I get the booklet they were talking about? They'll give it to you there, no strings attached. We want to help you start building a relationship with God. Now, we've got a couple more things planned this morning, and I'm going to ask you to hold tight, if you will, for just a couple of minutes. But right now, let's put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family. God bless you.